Bibles, go to Matthew 21, Matthew 21, a little bit about me and us. I'm a Jesus guy. We are a Jesus church. Jesus has changed my life. He's changed the way I look at life. He's changed my perspective on life. Now, you don't have to believe that uh, to be a part of this group. What you're going to discover is we have a whole lot more in common than we don't have in common. And this is a dark world, a lonely world, and a hurting world, and we need each other. Amen? We need a, a, a group, a community, a fellowship that we can have together, and I believe that's what we're going to have here, especially today. I'm excited about this series. If you've ever had any questions about the church, if you've ever had a bad church experience, which I think everybody in here could probably raise their hand and say, yeah, count me in on that. If you have some things you want to say about the church that's a little off color, you're going to like this journey we're going to go on for the next three weeks. And what you're going to discover is Jesus may not be all that thrilled either about a couple things that have happened within the church. Now, what's interesting about Jesus is this. Most people like at least a portion of Jesus. They like a certain part of Jesus. Maybe, uh, maybe you like the Jesus that loves children, or maybe you like the teaching Jesus that teaches parables. Maybe you like the miracle-working Jesus, and that's the Jesus that, that, that really gets you going. Or maybe you like the water-walking Jesus. Or maybe you like um, the baby Jesus. Some people's all about baby Jesus, but they never move on from baby Jesus. I don't know what portion of Jesus you like, but the portion we're going to talk about today is an idea of Jesus that most of the time people just walk away from. We say, we don't know what to do with that Jesus. But in order to be a Jesus follower, we need to embrace all of Jesus, all of who he is. And the passage that we're about to read this morning in Matthew chapter 21 is the most chaotic, dramatic, intense passage in the life of Jesus, other than the cross, other than all that happened on the night of the crucifixion. This is the most confusing passage that sets people off, who is this Jesus? I don't know what to do with this one. Let's just keep reading and go on beyond this passage, but we're not going to do that today because this passage has profound implications for us and for the church as we know it. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray before we read the passage. Father, we're thankful for your word. I'm thankful for this event that happened in the life of Jesus. I'm thankful for Matthew who recorded it and that we can dig into it today to sense the heart that Jesus has for people. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 21, beginning with verse 12, reads this way. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. He walks into the temple and he kicks things over. He overturns the table. He pushes over the stalls of the money changers. He kicks the doves. The doves are fine. Don't worry about the doves. And he just lets loose on them. Where'd this Jesus come from? This isn't the little Jesus sitting on a rock carrying a lamb. 
Did he wake up on the wrong side of bed? What is, I don't know what to do with this. Jesus, this one looks mad. He looks contentious. He's kicking people out of the church. Which, by the way, Jesus would do that. He did do that, but it would surprise us who he kicks out of the church. He does not kick out of the church those who have it all together. He kicks out of the church those who pretend that they have it all together. They look down their noses on others who don't have it all together. He doesn't kick out of the church those deep, dark sinners who can barely get in. Those are the ones he's trying to invite in. He's kicking out of the church all these people who are thumbing down their power on everybody else. Who is this Jesus? By the way, men like this Jesus. This is Clint Eastwood Jesus. This is Rambo Jesus. This is Rocky Balboa Jesus. Sylvester Stallone, you just got two shout-outs. Okay, this is a different kind of Jesus. What is going on here? Why did he walk into the temple, into his father's house, and just go nuts on them? Here's the context. At this time of year, this was an an, an annual festival. Foreigners from all over, whoever believed that uh, in the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whoever believed that the God of Israel would come to the temple and they would make sacrifices to God. That's what was happening at this time. And what was happening was there was only one way to make a sacrifice in those days, and that was to sacrifice an animal, a lamb, dove, or pigeon. And whenever Jesus walked into into the temple courtyard, it was chaos, it was madness, it was politically charged, and he went nuts. And the question is, why was Jesus so furious? Why was he so mad? Because we get no indication here that Jesus walked up to him and said, hey, do you guys mind leaving? Just can you scoot on over there? Please, please, pretty please. We get no indication that Jesus tiptoed in and, can you guys take this somewhere else? Why was he so mad? Oh, it is loud and clear why he's so mad. Firstly, he's mad because he's about to change the entire worship system. Now, we don't even want to talk, it's a whole different sermon, this is for free, this is a side note, but he is changing how we do worship. At that time, you had to go to a building to be uh, into the presence of God, you had to go to a certain place to worship, you had to sacrifice animals, and Jesus is coming in saying, I am declaring that there is a whole new system coming, and it's coming soon. But that's a whole other sermon, and we're not going to get into that today. But there's four things that I want to point out that Jesus was indignant about. Number one, us as a church, for us as a church today, we choose Jesus over sacrifice. We choose Jesus over sacrifice. There was only one way that they could get their sins forgiven at that time, and that was to sacrifice a lamb, a dove, or pigeons, and you had to pay for the lamb, you had to pay for the dove, you had to pay for the pigeon, and if you didn't have enough money for the lamb, you bought the dove. If you didn't have enough money for the dove, you bought the pigeon, And they were extorting the whole system. And there's only one way to pay for it. That's with a little silver coin that didn't have any pagan gods on it. So if you come in from Egypt, if you come in from Greece, if you come in from Italy, if if you come in from Jordan, if you come in from Syria, and you don't have the right kind of money, you have to go to the money changers. You have to exchange money. And they were cheating them on the money exchanging. They were overcharging them. And then they would take their money after overcharging them. And they were overcharging them whenever, uh, whenever they were buying the animals. So catch this, in Luke chapter 2, after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph goes to the temple to make their sacrifice, 
is it possible, and we don't know this for sure, I'm just, is it possible Mary and Joseph, the mother and dad of Jesus, got cheated in the, in the temple? Is, just conjecture. Is it possible that Jesus grew up watching his single mother? We conjecture that Joseph died sometime in, in Jesus' childhood. She was a single mother in a land where it was hard to be a single mother. Is it possible that he watched every year his family go to the temple and she would walk up and say, I would like a dove, and they would say, it costs this much. She said, well, I don't have that money. Well, then you're going to have to buy pigeons, and they ask her, how much do you have? And she says, I have this much. They said, it's going to be triple that. Well, I don't have that money. Well, I see that ring on your finger. Is it possible that Jesus grew up watching his own parents get cheated in his father's house? That Jesus' own parents were extorted in the temple? And that this righteous indignation and this righteous anger began to grow into Jesus. And by the time he's 33 years old right here, a couple weeks before the cross, he walks into the temple and he says, enough. I've seen enough. You are keeping people from having peace and being into the presence of God. This should be called a house of prayer, this building, which is another way to say this should be an easy place to have access to God, and you're making it a den of robbers. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, hey, you don't need to do this animal thing anymore. And by the way, that's why we don't have animals dripping with blood off the steps. There's a couple reasons. I don't think Hopper Middle School would be very happy with us bringing in lambs. I wouldn't enjoy the smell of all that. And all. We don't need the blood anymore here because there's been one sacrifice, one sacrifice made for all for your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And it covers all. And so what we do here today, what we do is we don't make an animal sacrifice. We are trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus, and we go and take communion on a weekly basis, thanking him for the one sacrifice he has made for our sins. And even in those days, those, that animal system only covered you for one year. Guess what you had to come back to do the next year? You had to do it all over again. And you, you, you tried to make as much money as you could, but you were cheated out of money the next year again. And it just kept happening over and over. And so we come here today, and that's why we sing. That's why we give the sacrifice of praise, because there's been one sacrifice. We are choosing Jesus over sacrifices. He's changed everything. Matthew chapter 9 Verse 13 puts it this way. Jesus says, don't you know that I desire, or but go and learn what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Can you imagine they're walking into the temple and they're going crazy and there's cheating going on, they're stealing money from people who are already, and by the way, the fact that Mary and Joseph had to buy pigeons meant that Jesus was born to a, for, uh, to a poor family. Just FYI. He knew what it meant to hurt. He knew what it meant to struggle. He knew what it meant to go from paycheck to paycheck. He knew what it meant, I don't know how we're going to get food in their fridge. They didn't have refrigerators. Um, where, where are we going to get our food? He knew what that meant. And he says, and by the way, if you've ever been in a church where they act like we're, we're right with God because of how good we are, and you're far from God because of how bad you are, just so you know, Jesus got mad at that too. You're not the only one that got mad at that. He's mad about that, and he came to change it. Number two, we choose Jesus over division. We choose Jesus over division. So in that temple court, 
there were upper class, there were middle class, there were lower class. There was black, there was white, there was brown, there was purple, there was blue, there was Egyptians, there was Israelites, there was Italians. Shout out to you, Antonio. There were Greeks, there were Gentiles, there were Syrians, there were Saudi Arabians. Saudi Arabia wasn't there yet, but they were... Okay. There were people who smelled good. There were people who smelled bad. There were people with good breath. There were people with bad breath. There were people with short hair. There was people with long hair, and there was people with no hair. Um, <laughs> that felt good. Um, there were all different kinds of people, and whenever they were in the temple court, there was this undercurrent of division. Jesus hates division. No matter why it has come, no matter how it has come, he hates division. And he comes to declare in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, he says this, There is now neither Jew nor Gentile, nor there, uh, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's he saying there? I'll, I'll tell you what he's saying. When we stand before God, and you will stand before God, you will not go to him and say, I'm an American. You're not going to go to him and say, I'm Mexican, Mexicano. You're not going to say, I'm Canadian. Nobody's going to say, I'm Greek, I'm French, I'm English, I'm British, I'm Norwegian. Nobody, you know what? Somebody might say I'm Texan. I can see that happening. I say, I'm a Texan. I'm from Texas. Oh, enter in. No. That's just what we think. Uh, nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to point to their bloodline to justify themselves in the presence of God. We will point to the blood of Christ, which covers our sin. So we choose Jesus over division. We're going to go quickly here because I want to spend more time on three and four. So we choose Jesus over sacrifice. We choose Jesus over division. Number three, we choose Jesus over oppression. Jesus over oppression. In the temple court at that time, there were the haves and the have-nots. There were those on the inside and those on the... You ever been on the outside? You ever treated like you're on the outside? You know what? The, there were spiritual cliques. Oh, don't get Jesus started, because they got him started. And you say, well, Nathan, here in 2019, there's no oppression in the United States of America. <laughs> Look around. It's everywhere. It's still here. And by the way, Jesus is not mad at the people here. He's mad at the spirit of oppression. He's mad at the attitude of oppression, where those who are in the religious elite can take their thumb and they can keep people down. They can keep people in the dirt. They can keep people poor. They can keep people struggling. They can keep people feeling guilty. You're not good enough to get the forgiveness of sins. You're not good enough to come into the presence of God. And by the way, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get how white churches, I'll just say it, in 1830s, 1840s, 1850s, 1860s, missed this part of scripture. And I don't get how we can miss it today. Jesus hates the spirit of oppression. We all stand equal in the presence of God. Amen, church? Come on now. And Jesus came in and he saw this stuff happening. And he, he, 
Not on my watch. Not on my watch. And I don't care how this looks, and I don't care if this messes up your view of Jesus. Jesus gets mad at the spirit of, of oppression. Now catch this. Catch this. Venture. We want to do everything we can do to make sure everybody is welcome to come to Jesus Christ. We want to tear down the walls, tear down any barriers that keep people from Jesus. That's what they were doing. They had built up walls to keep people from Jesus. Look, look at this passage, Matthew chapter 21, verse 14. This is in the message paraphrase. He, he kicked over the Abels, apparently, because I didn't put in the letter T. He kicked over the Abels of loan sharks and the stalls of dove merchants. He quoted this text, my house was designated the house of prayer. You have made it a hangout for thieves. Now watch this, verse 15. Now there was room for the blind and crippled to get in. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now there was room? Are you saying there wasn't room for certain kind of people? There wasn't room for certain kind of people. But now there was room for the blind and the crippled. Now there was room for the blind and the crippled to get in. Jesus broke down the walls. He broke down the barriers. Now everybody can get in. And what was happening was if you were disfigured, if you were mangled, if you were crippled, if you were a leper, if you were blind, if you didn't look right, if you didn't smell right, if you didn't have the right color skin, you couldn't get in. Oh, man, I'm fired up today. This is too loud. Turn me down, Alfonso. Come on now. He, he, he said, now there was room for the blind. Now there was room for everybody. Church, we are very, very aware of this. We want to tear down the walls of oppression in this city, in this community, in these neighborhoods. There, I get it. It's out there. It's 2019, and it's still out there, but it should never be in here. It should never be in here. Two examples that happened in the life of Jesus. One time Jesus is teaching, and kids, kids were running around Jesus, and the disciples we're brushing off the kids. Get the kids away from Jesus. Get the kids away from Jesus. And Jesus goes nuts on the disciples. You kidding me? Because in those days, kids were second class. But Jesus looks at them, no, let the little children come to me. They're just as important as you are. Don't brush them aside. And children are important to Jesus, aren't they? He said, let the little children come to me. You guys... Don't get it. You have the spirit of oppression. Second, second time it happened, Peter, it's always Peter. Peter just, he gives us a lot of sermons to work with, a lot of sermon material. They were in a town, they were teaching, and apparently the town just rejected Jesus. They, they didn't like Jesus. And Peter <laughs> leaves the town and he goes up to Jesus. Hey, we've been talking. We got this idea. What do you think? How about we just rain down fire on that town and destroy him? What do you think, Jesus? What do you think of that? Peter, you idiot. He didn't say that. Just I said it. I think he was thinking it. Peter, really? I did not come to destroy. I came to give life. You're missing it. That spirit of oppression, don't let it enter Christianity. Don't let it enter the church. It may be out there, but we choose Jesus over oppression. Number four. We choose Jesus over sacrifice. We choose Jesus over division. We choose Jesus over oppression. Number four, we choose Jesus over tradition. We don't see our traditions. Let me give you an example. Uh, I don't have an office. 
I have, I have a desk. We don't have a building where we have an office place for us. So my desk is in our master bedroom, i.e. Chelsea's bedroom, which master bedroom is still, that's perfect. Master bedroom is her bedroom. She's the master. But um, she said, don't make that joke again. Uh, I'll learn when I get home I'm not the master. But that's where my, I am at this moment. You can't say anything. So my desk is in the is, is in the bedroom, and a couple of weeks, and I have a history of my desk. It's messy and, and and stuff. A couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, she looked at me and goes, "You going to do anything with your desk?" Bless you. You going to do anything with your desk? And I said, "What's wrong with my desk? <laughs> what are you talking about my desk?" And then I took a step back, and I looked at my desk, and I couldn't find my desk because so much. Junk had got, I can't, I can't even see my desk. And every now and then, the church needs to take a step back, and we need to take an honest look and say, are there traditions of men keeping us from Jesus Christ? Because what was happening at that time, they had built in some man-made rules, some man-made traditions. This is how you dress in church. We would never do that today. We would never come up with a dress code today and make people feel bad for not dressing good enough in church today, Right? Some of you are with me. We, we can come up with rules that keep people from feeling welcome in the presence of God. Matthew 15, watch this, verse 1 and 2. Then some Pharisees of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the... It's not the word of God. It was some traditions they made of the elders. They don't wash their hands before they eat. Ooh, they don't wash their hands. You want to know the last time I washed my hands before I ate? I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> oh, they don't wash their hands. Oh, no. People are dying on the streets, and they don't wash their hands. People can't get enough food for their family, but they don't wash their hands. This is what they came to Jesus with. Matthew 15, verse 3, next verse. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command difference? They were complaining about a tradition. And Jesus said, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, and now he's about to call them out, and Jesus will call you out. And Jesus has called me out. Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their mother, oh, father, man, I didn't reject this, is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it, thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. What was happening at that time was your retirement plan, they didn't have 401ks, they didn't have IRAs, what their retirement plan was, you take care of your parents in their old age. But what they were doing is they were saying, I don't have the money to take care of mom or dad because I'm giving it all to the temple. I'm giving it all to God. Oh, (laughs) Jesus says, I see what you're doing. You're breaking the command of God for the sake of your traditions. So we have a decision to make, Venture. We have a decision to make in the early days of this church. And believe me, we are vigilant on this. We are very, very aware 
that as we get tempted to start traditions, man-made traditions in this church, what they will do is they will create a spirit of division and oppression and a spiritual caste system that keeps people away from Jesus. And so the second we see a tradition, guess what we are going to do? We're going to step on it, and we're going to squash it, and I'm going to take a water gun to it and shoot it. Second Amendment right, right there. We are going to destroy it because it creates a system that keeps people out. I am declaring we are going to reject the traditions of men, and we are going to serve Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to do. All right, so this is... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how this happens, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some therapy with you, okay? You're the therapist. I, I'm the one who needs therapy. Three things. Sin, I'll give you some examples. Since when, since when do we need church buildings? When has that become the thing? There was a guy who talked to me early on. We'd probably lived here about two months, and I was giving him the plan. He said, where are you guys meeting at? I said, Hopper Middle School, uh, Fry Road, you ought to come. And he said, so I assume the plan is to someday be a real church, right? <laughs> and get a building. That, that was his context there. Whoa! And it's happened with websites. So the, uh, IR, it's not the IRS, who's the federal? Whoever I was dealing with to, get a fi to make us a 501c3, whoever those people are, Washington, D.C., that's the problem right there. They had to have proof that we had a website in order to justify that we're a 501. Since when do you need a website to be a church? So I had a good thing we had a website. <laughs> Start with a website because we do have one. But since when does that make you a real church? So here's the deal. There's churches in China right now who are being hunted for their life, and they don't have buildings, and they don't have AC, and they don't have chairs, and they don't have tile floors, and they don't have a sound system, and I guarantee you they don't have a website. But they are flourishing in the name of Christ. So we're at a training early on as well, and uh, these guys are teaching us some things about starting a church, and, one, and boy, they did not like me by the time this thing was over. But one of the things they asked us, they asked us, so who is going to be your target group? Who are you going to target for this church? You're going to target young people? You're going to tar target middle-aged people, old people? You're going to target singles? Is singles going to be your, you're going to target families with no kids or families with kids? Upper class, middle class, lower. Who, who's your target group? People. With a heart that is beating, if you have oxygen getting to your brain, you're our target group. Anybody with a soul that's going to live forever, that's who we're trying to reach, amen? We're, we're not going to kick some people out and we're, sorry, you're single, you're out. You're not married yet, you, you can't come into the presence of God, sorry. Jesus, we're choosing Jesus over the traditions of men every time. All right, as we close, one last passage. We're going to read it again. Matthew, uh, Matthew 21. This is in the message. We're going to read this one more time. Now there was room. Now there was room. Change the title of this to Now There Was Room on the website. Now there was room. 
for the blind and the crippled to get in. I can't be a part of a church that doesn't make room for everybody and anybody. And then it goes on to say in verse 15, when the religious leaders saw the outrageous things he was doing and heard all the who, all the uh, second-class children running and shouting through the temple. You ever heard anybody say, don't run in church? You can run in Jesus' church. Running and shouting. Jesus, don't you see them running and shouting through the temple? They're yelling, Hosanna to David's son. Jesus, do you hear what they're yelling? How long did this take? Jesus walks into the temple. How long did it take before he overturned everything? Did it take him 30 minutes? You think it took him 30 minutes? Half an hour? Within half an hour, everybody was welcome. It took somebody willing to tell the truth. And to get to the heart of the matter, it took him a half an hour, and all of a sudden, now there was room for everybody. And within a half an hour, children were running and shouting through the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. I just got to tell you, I want a church where everybody is welcome, and I want a church where children are running and shouting, yelling, Hosanna to the Son of David. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God.